Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 51, live with my friendly MAPT what, team. What? Three quarters of my MAPT team. We have a, a new member that yet to we be did. announced, but soon, soon we're excited to announce her. Dr. Scott Wright, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Dr. Ryan Gray. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. And Miss Rachel Grubb, I, I see you have our good friend Sunny Nakai's pre-med prep book in on your uh, shelf back there. I do. I yeah. Love it. I love it. I ordered that a while ago, but I'm uh, very slow about opening packages. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Um, I just noticed. How, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, I'm excited to get into some pre-med questions. Yes. yes. National Pre-Med Day, as you can see on our banner, is 528, nationalpremedday.com. Uh, we just confirmed our 30-something speaker today. I think we have one more spot left to uh, to to finalize. We're mm-hmm. looking for a great guest for that last spot. So nationalpremedday.com, was it eight hours of, of goodness on Friday, May 28th, all live, but obviously will be recorded for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yay. Okay. Be there or be square. Day. Yes. Right. Let's fucking roll. Anything else before we start? No, let's jump in. Oh, let's, let's jump in. Uh oh, you and I are fighting for control. But Put that I, question I, back I removed it just in case you wanted to. Uh, no, you're want, fine. Want anything else? Physicians told me to downplay or not mention interviews my desire to one day help in management and also consult in biotech, since those would put into question my desire to treat patients. My pre-med advisor said I should talk about those desires. Is there a fine line? Connected to this, I'll be a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. Interesting. When I apply. Mm -hmm. So is it silly to not mention it? Dr. Scott Wright, the medical school application. Yes. Student coming forth saying i want to be a doctor how much of the medical school's job the admissions committee's job is to produce future physicians who take care of patients or produce future physicians to go out and do whatever the heck they want mm-hmm. yeah i don't think i mean in my years of experience that rarely came up i mean um in an, in a uh, admissions committee meeting, uh, we would we would talk about the applicant, what they were saying they wanted to do. If they did talk about you know future plans, et cetera, uh, many students don't really get into that uh, talking yeah. about future you know kinds of things. And they don't even know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I would say, you know, I would not worry about it so much. I I would focus in for this student. I would focus in on what is their desire. I understand the competing sort of advice that they're getting. What what do they want? <clears throat> do they want to mention this? 
uh, or is this an important part of kind of what their plans are potentially in the future? Because what I, you know, the way I view it, and I think the way that um, often uh, admissions committees will view this sort of thing is that, you know, the, the, the role of the physician is multifaceted. And, you know, we have physicians in Congress right now. I'm sure that we have physicians, depending on in, in state legislatures all around this country, uh, on city on, on city councils. And so they go into politics. Uh, they go into public health and really focus more on the bigger picture. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of different avenues for usefulness for for trained physicians. Obviously, we need them for uh patient care and, and the vast majority, you know, the way, way, way vast majority of them, that's what they're going to do. So I, I don't really, I, I don't have a concern about that, frankly, in my view, I would say just do what you, what, you, what is in your heart, what you're thinking uh, in terms of uh, your future. And, and, and I would, I would say if I, if, if you're going to mention something to that effect, then I would say, I would I would hasten to add in words that kind of soften it to say I may want to, uh, you know I can I could see myself going into, you know clinic management or uh, or hosp- you know hospital management or whatever in the future or or yeah. in a, in in ancillary fields you know depending on sort of how things play out or whatever something to that effect. Yeah, does this go in the personal statement? Or is it going to be part of their activities list because so, yeah. their, their actions are more around that? Yeah, I would say in, in this particular case, I think he, he, this um, applicant uh, was really um, uh, concerned that if they didn't mention it in the uh, because of the activity of that particular re- receiving that particular award or whatever it was, um, being a fellow in the in that particular uh, thing, that it would be odd, and so I would say activity description definitely. If it worked in and it made sense in the personal statement, potentially, but definitely in the activity description uh, for that particular thing, I think would be appropriate. Okay, there you go. That's the final answer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I. Bef- but go ahead. Bef- before we go into another question, I, were you going to answer uh, something to this question, Ryan? No. Okay. So before we go into another question, I, I, I wanted to bring up tonight that this is the time of year, these two weeks, uh, where before AMCAS in particular can be submitted, where students begin to really freak out about what does early mean in terms of early application. And I think I think we ought to just talk about that for for just a moment, yeah. because I get the feeling that some applicants think when we say apply early, uh, or get your application in in a timely way and in, in yeah. early fashion, that they think that means the day it opens you got to submit it. Nine oh one a.m. <laughs> Any later? Yeah. Yeah. Done. Exactly. And 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 I so actually, I thought they recommend not applying on the first day. Because of the history of the just mass. first yeah. day issues with AMCAS going, right? Oh, from the new stuff that we introduced. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and you know when when you know when I talk about early application, I mean within the first you know uh, several weeks to a month. You know if you're if you're in the, like for for example this year, 
Um, I would say if if you can submit your application in the month of June, yep. that would be fine. That that's that that is that's what we mean by early. Yep. Uh, what we're saying is don't wait until September or October or even. You know, if you can get it in and get it completed and everything before before sometime in August, June is fine. So, you know, applicants, if you're out there listening to this podcast or to this uh, watching this video, take a deep breath. <laughs> do this. You can survive this. And don't feel like you've got to push the button on the first day or the first yeah. two days or three days. Uh, you know that is not that important. The app, the admissions committees aren't doing anything with these applications until mid to latter part of the summer, anyway. So uh, you want to get in the mix of processing for AMCAS or the application service that you're applying to. But uh, once you do that, and I will, you know, I will say also that TMDSAS, God bless them. <laughs> Their processing time because they do it. It's a different. It's a different procedure, and uh, but the, they get those applications out to the to the medical schools really yeah. quickly. They they Within, have a parallel process versus a serial process like correct in comas. That's correct. And so yeah. what what they're working on is is really less than a week. Uh, ACOMAS and AMCAS are going to take longer because of the process they go through. And so what I would say is is get it in month of June. Uh, if possible, you know, and, and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's typically what I recommend as well. Just wanted to bring that up because this is these are the days when everybody's yeah. really so freaking out. Make sure your application is good, your S's, all yep. the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, right. all of that's good. If you If you're concerned about waiting an extra week for those transcripts, wait, it's okay. Yeah, um, it'll be yeah. fine. It'll Just be take fine. a deep breath, you know, a few deep breaths <laughs> in through the nose, out through the mouth, sighing as you do. You'll be fine. Rachel should be leading this. I know, right? Yogi. <laughs> we need to come up. We need to come up with a little app for uh, for uh, pre med um, relaxation and mindfulness techniques. I am actually starting yoga teaching that of course I will invite all of our pre-meds to in July. So if you guys want to follow me on Insta, I'll get you the updates there, but we can keep with the pre-med questions right now. Yeah. All right. A couple of pre-asked questions. Can you please give any advice for secondary headshots? Can the background be nature like in front of a tree and should we wear just a suit? Should long hair be up or down? Scott, you you guys used to have you all used oh, to yeah. have a, a wall of shame or whatever <laughs> you called it. We did, we did, we did. Yeah, I, I have seen so many crazy pictures over the years. It's just insane. It's literally insane. <laughs> this question asker is way ahead. Yes, uh, you're fine. If you're thinking in these terms, you're thinking in the right way. Nature's fine in the background. Or a blank wall, or whatever. Just don't, you know. Just don't. Do I have my AK forty-seven in the picture, yes. <laughs> or my Colt forty-five. <laughs> we used to get so many funny ones. It was unbelievable. You know where? Where there's this? Isn't that like a prereq? No. Yeah, you have to. You have to submit a pic. And and we would get, you know, where they cropped out somebody, but there's this phantom arm on their shoulder or whatever, you know, from where they cropped everybody out except for the arm or, you know, which was kind of funny. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we just you would not believe the pictures that we get submitted. So, anyway, so just 
doesn't have to be super plain background as long as it's no. it's you as long as you can see face and you know i mean take it get a friend to do it with your iphone you'll be fine it doesn't have to be a professional photographer it doesn't have to be anything special or whatever in in a suit or a, or even even a casual you know business casual type collared shirt or whatever or blouse uh you'll you'll be that that's but that's just fine. All they want to do is, in most cases, what they're trying to do is, is put a picture with a name so that some schools will use it to, to make sure that the person that shows up to the interview is actually the person who submitted the, the photo or, or whatever. But it's to personalize your application uh, in, in an even greater way. And so just, uh, just, you know, don't submit something that's... You know, I mean, if you wouldn't submit it for a job interview, uh, <laughs> then don't submit it for this. If I'm projecting my hours, should I break up the dates into current hours and future hours? For example, should I put hospice as 820 to 521 for current hours and then 521 to 622 for future hours or just group them all together? It's a very common question this year. I, I've never gotten this question before this year, as far as I remember. So uh, let's state it again. AMCAS specifically tells you to project out the, your end dates and your hours. Mm -hmm. Don't split it up. You don't need to do that. You can just group it all together. Right. TMDSAS has a futures activities category. So don't yep. project out on the regular um, section. There's a future one there. And a COMIS, I believe, tells you not to project out. So it depends on where you're applying. I mean, which service you're applying to. Yeah. Double check a comus. I, I um, I'm sh I'm pretty sure that's what they say, but I get it all jumbled in my head every now and then. <laughs> and last question here. Hello, Doctor Wright. What are we, chop liver, Rachel? <laughs> Hello, Doctor Wright. What qualities are you looking for in a reapplicant? There are two questions on the TMDSAS application for reapplicants about improvement, and I don't know whether I should answer them as matter of fact or reflect on how my experience has influenced me. Thank you. Uh, always reflection always is good uh, you know I, I think that what they're looking for for a reapplicant is not only factually what did you do to improve your application uh, in, in, over the course of the of the year but also they're looking for is there some sort of reflection that you're going through to say okay what 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 does this mean to me what what is this all about how has this affected me and how am i moving forward what have i learned through this process uh, of having to reapply and and i think reflection is always a a beneficial thing and so uh, i would say um both of those uh, really fit together well, and, and you should you should sort of think of it as a package and not as separate separate things. So this is the first time, and shame on me if this is true. There are specific essays for reapplicants for TMDSA. Short, very. I would not even call them essays. I'd call them short response questions. Okay. Um, not, they're they're not very long. I mean, probably. I can't like remember 500 characters. Like yeah, maybe, maybe even less than that. Yeah. Okay. So it's not, it's not a big, it's not a big thing, but you, you do have a plenty, you, you, you have enough room to say, this is what I did over the course of the year to improve yeah. my application. And a little reflection of, box. Yeah. Are they, absolutely. are they potentially looking for some self-awareness to say, Oh, absolutely. I, I, I realized that last year when I applied, here's what I was missing. Here's what I did to work on it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just checked the map application section, and it's 600 characters, 
And the prompt is, what have you done to strengthen your application? Okay. So yeah, it's like just one of those, um, is, you know, I agree with Scott in the wording of, of written response. It's a, you check yes or no. And if it's a yes, pops open a little box for you. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I think we're ready to go to more. One. Yeah. So. Is it okay to add personal things to our activity descriptions or is it too much? For example, I based my undergraduate research on depression in students of color to honor my friend who lost her battle with depression. I know it can be a taboo topic, so I wasn't sure. Well, first of all, I'm really sorry that you lost your friend and I'm sorry for her and her family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And kudos to you for being a friend to, to her and, and to uh, really, you know, struggling sounds like you struggled with her through that battle and um but yeah i mean my my feeling is um in activity descriptions it's not too much you know i i do think adding personal personal feelings and thoughts to those activity descriptions but particularly if it's a most meaningful when you have a lot obviously a lot more space to do that but even in you know, on the amcast application with 700 characters you can get into some some story and, and, and some personal reflection on that and I, I would not consider it a taboo topic at all yeah I, I I say it all the time and I'll say it again your application is to show who you are and that's why you did things is potentially a part of who you are go for it I received my MCAT score last week, and I am beyond happy with my 514. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yay! However, as expected, <laughs> uh, I got a 124 <laughs> in cars. Want? Uh, do you believe this will be a major issue? No. Will no. I be screened out? No. no. I'm trying not to find excuses. No. No. You're fine. Good job. Great job. Mm-hmm. Well, and kudos to you. You're an ESL. You know, you were an ESL student, and I mean that. That's amazing that you. Yeah. You know. Uh, 514 is a healthy score, and so I, I you know, that's that's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Ra Rachel, typically when I see ESL students who get a great score like this but yep. struggle with cars, my gut tells me, be because the whole MCAT is reading comprehension. Right. My gut tells me that their reading comprehension is perfectly fine to do well on cars. Right. But there's this little voice in their head that goes, I'm ESL, therefore I shouldn't do well in cars. And therefore it's a self-perpetuating kind of, of philosophy of negative self-talk during the test. And Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, I've definitely wondered that too, because exactly the, the entire exam is reading comprehension. And I have known, um, you know, back in the days uh, when I worked for a test prep company that specialized by subject, I have known verbal only teachers who hadn't taken sciences since high school who killed it on the exam in all of the sections solely yeah. based on the reading comprehension. Um, so, you know, the, you, the reading comprehension takes you far in those science section, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, this particular student is someone that, I mean, I won't say their name because obviously privacy but like we know them we did an am i ready with them um and based on practice tests they were anticipating a not great car score so for whatever reason yeah. that that's been a, a struggle point um i think sometimes part of it is that the topics can be boring right so if you don't find like you might be a better science reader because you find science interesting um 
And, you know, the cars topics can be, you know, can sometimes actually will still be science, but they might be, you know, literature or philosophy or whatever. And I think some people just tune that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing to me because I don't, I don't see the other sections as, as not reading. And yet there does still seem to be this discrepancy. Yeah. Good job. And yes, cancel your retake. Yeah. Yeah. Move on to the next stage. <laughs> uh, let's see. For ECs that you will continue through the application process in the foreseeable future, how do you decide when the cutoff is for counting the hours? Do you count them up to the date you will send in your application? So for everyone, just general blanket, read the manual. The manuals will tell you what to do. AMCAS, again, specifically tells you up to your anticipated start date, your anticipated matriculation of medical school, which is typically considered July or August of 2022 for those of you applying this year. That is how. Yeah. Those handbooks are your best friend. Yeah, they are. Talk about a boring read. (laughs) (laughs) They should put that on the cars section. When when we said this about international transcripts, did we mean A? (laughs) How many times I had to read that thing before I finally understood? That is specifically why I chose that section. It's the most confusing section. It's so, yeah, it's it's a lot. Okay. (laughs) All right. Do you advise taking a half-length diagnostic or full-length? I took the blueprint half-length. I assume this is a good starting place. Rachel. Yeah, Yeah, I think half-length is totally fine. The one thing a half-length doesn't give you is um, your sense of endurance for the super long day. But nobody, well, not nobody, almost nobody does as well as they are eventually going to do on the MCAT on their on their baseline exam. The whole idea is just rip the Band-Aid, get exposed to what it feels like, get a sense of where you're scoring so that later you have something to measure against and you have a sense of strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I think full lengths are pretty precious and I wouldn't want to burn burn one on a baseline. Yeah, I, and I, th- I think the half length, because it's not testing endurance, is a better uh, kind of predictor of where you're at without adding in the fatigue aspect that you'll have to build up over time. Yeah. Bueno, bueno. What factors outside of stats make an applicant competitive? Their picture, the <laughs> picture they the submit. <laughs> the picture you submit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, right? Everything. Uh, yeah. Your your personal statement, the story you tell there, you, how you reflect on why you want to be a doctor, all of the activities that you've done to prove why you want to be a physician, prove to yourself that you want to be a physician and why you want to be a physician, uh, research, volunteering, everything. Coaching coaching soccer at a at a high school soccer is is part of it uh, yep. that shows a lot of intangibles about leadership and organization and communication yep. and all of it. Absolutely, I, I think it's just there's so much like just focus on. MCAT GPA, MCAT GPA, MCAT GPA, MCAT GPA, and just the rest goes out the window. So I love this question, but it's a really broad question because it is everything. Mm -hmm. Yep, it is. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, we did a workshop last fall and it's still on map.tv if you guys want to watch it or if you haven't seen it about some of the competencies that med schools are looking for in their applicants, right? And you're not going to go into the application and be like, I have this competency, right? It's part of why we talk about storytelling. You're trying to show those things through the experiences that you've had. Um, but I mean, to whoever asked this question, I mean, I understand exactly what you're asking and I too love this question, but think about the kinds of things you want in, want in your doctor. You know, if someone you loved was really, really ill, you wouldn't just want a brain, right? You'd probably want some kindness and you'd want an ability to collaborate and you'd want someone to listen. And, you know, like it's, it's not a perfect system, but to some degree, med schools are looking for one, can you handle the academic rigor? And two, do you have some of the beginnings of those qualities that you're going to need to grow into to be a great doctor and not just a great medical student? Yep, yep. For non-trads with 15 to 20 years since high school, how do I best go about narrowing down what to mention in personal statements and activities? There's a lot to sort through. Yeah. Right. For for AMCAS, it matters. For Comus TMDSAS, you got all the space in the world. So AMCAS, fi 15 spots, Scott, for someone with that amount of time behind them. How do they figure yeah. out? Yeah, I think you have to, when, when possible, collapse things together. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you, you, you can combine things that are similar with each other. And you have to, for AMCAS especially, you have to really just focus in on those particular 15 activities that you feel like are the most important things to you that you want to remember. What you're doing is you are presenting to the admissions committee what you think are important things about you. And I suspect that's why they're limiting those those 15. I don't know why they're limiting it to 15, but I suspect maybe it has something to do with that. I would like to think there's some sort of philosophy behind it, but who knows. Uh, but uh, I, I would say, you, you know, they're looking to see what do you think of the things that really illustrate who you're about and why you're going down this road. And, uh, and you really have to highlight those things of, over time. Uh, I have a lot of um, non-traditional students who are in this very, very same position with a, a, a lot of years that they have to cover. And what you're not doing is filling out a resume here. You don't, this is not particularly in a personal statement. If it reads like a resume, no, 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 that's not good. Um, you want it to, uh, but into, especially in terms of the activities, uh, descriptions and stuff, you know, I really feel like you have to hone in for AMCAS on those things that you really want to communicate to the admissions committee, a specific thing about you. That's why I think you have to go through reflection about what, it, in, in putting this activity on there, what am I trying to communicate to the admissions committee? What, what's the takeaway? from putting this one on there as opposed to these other three that I'm going to leave off, yeah. you know, really hone in on what, what's your goal here for that activity. Uh, and what do you want to get across uh, in terms of that description to the, to the committee? So Scott, sometimes I, I use a little bit different language when students are asking me, I, I'd like to get your, your take on it. I, I typically tell students who are, who are in this situation where they just have a lot of activities 
what do you want to talk about? When, <laughs> when you sit down to write something or when you imagine sitting down in an interview to talk about something, what will you just light up talking about? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and maybe it's not getting across, ooh, look, in this other thing, I can show my communication skills, but it's just kind of, it doesn't really light me up as a person. But this other thing where maybe it doesn't connect with a skill that I think doctors need, but it's just, I, I just love it. It drives yeah. me. Yeah. No, I agree completely, Ryan. That's, that's, you said it much better than I do. That's, that's a lot of what I was trying to say in all those okay. words. But <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Who Spot are on. you as a person? Yeah. What makes you tick? Right. Um, Your whole identity is not future doctor. Like, let's yeah. let's learn a little bit about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I love the how you how you mentioned that, Scott. I, I've always complained about the 15 spots and not really complain, but it's always frustrating for students. Right. Of only having 15 spots in AMCAS. But but I think it, it forces students to sit down and think. Yeah. Right. There's there's a, a saying for um, for like public speakers, it, like. Can, can you give a talk? Well, sure. How long is the talk, right? If it's an hour, I can talk right now. If it's 30 minutes, give me a week. If it's only five minutes, give me a couple weeks. I got to figure out what I need to say. Yeah. And so it, it really forces the student to, to take inventory of what they've done in their life and figure out what's the most important. And that really helps the admissions committee is not sort through a bunch of trash. Yeah. That's why TED Talks are so great. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the weeks and months that those people giving those TED Talks put into those that short amount of time uh, to be able to effectively communicate what they're passionate about or what they, you know, what they're what they're really trying to get across? Yep. You're you're exactly right. So, a follow up question to that is: a student says, "So it's not bad to talk about an activity from 15 years ago." No. Mm -mm. Yeah, the age of the activity shouldn't typically come into play unless it's a high school activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Go back up to where we were. Oh, I lost my place. There we go. Um, hello, thank you for such a great resource. I'm a non-traditional student. I've been taking science prereqs over the past year and will continue this year. I applied to an MPH program for the fall of 2022. However, I applied before I fully decided I wanted to go full force with medicine. Should I consider doing the MPH or fully focus on finishing my science prereqs? What uh, will doing the MPH help since it's under a school of medicine? Thank you. Couple questions to ask there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my, my feeling about that is is focus on the pre prereqs first. You, it's a possibility, depending on where you go to medical school, if you're really interested in public health and you're really thinking, you know, I, I think what, what I want to do is, to, is, is, is um, separate doing the, the, doing the MPH for the purposes of making your application a stronger application as opposed to doing the NPH because you feel strongly about public health and what you want that to do as a part of your career in the future. So to me, those are two separate things. Um, a lot of med schools, you can do a, an NPH along with your med school experience or, or, or at the, at the, at the very least by extending it one year at some med schools, you can, you can integrate that into your med medical school experience. If, if, if that's something that is you're passionate about, if you're doing an MPH for the purposes of 
improving your application, that's not, I, 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 I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I would say the prereqs first, uh, definitely, and then look at kind of where you stand uh, relative to the strength of your application and if you need to do some, some additional work uh, to, to make it a, 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 a stronger application, then, you know, you could consider doing an MPH. But um, I think that, uh, I think that you, know, view, you know, step back a bit and view the bigger picture of what are you, you know, why are you doing the MPH as opposed to anything else uh, that you can do to improve your application. And if you're combining the two together, this passion for public health you have, and the the desire to improve your application that's great that the two fit together uh, but I'd, I'd focus in on the prereqs first and then and then decide kind of where you stand and uh, and what you what what that might lead you to mm-hmm. yes love it all right does doula and newborn care specialist work count as clinical? Teaching expectant parents about pregnancy and childbirth, supporting them in person through the birthing process, teaching them about newborn care, breastfeeding, infant sleep, etc. Once baby comes home, I never take vitals, but it's always patient-facing care, most of it in their home. I work with clients prenatally and intrapartum, sometimes exclusively postpartum. Does the timing of care affect whether or not it's clinical? That way, you think. I think it's clinical. A thousand percent. That's, a, that's an easy one. That's clear. Yep. <laughs> All right. There's there's always a lot of confusion. Does it have to be in a hospital? Does it have to be in an outpatient setting? All right. Patients home. You're yeah. you're working with them through their pregnancy. Yeah. Um, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Clinical. I agree. And that's cool work. Yep. I'm very sensitive to this right now, as you know, Ryan and Rachel know. I don't know if the greater world knows. My my youngest daughter is pregnant with twins, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're going through all this right now, and uh, <laughs> it's super exciting to to witness all of it. Mm-hmm. It happens every day, and it's still a miracle every time. Yeah, yep. it's wild. Yes, yes. Um. I was going, oh yeah, pa- pause this question real quick. So yeah. for all of you watching now and in the future, MAPT is opening up for PA students, pre-PA mm-hmm. students. So, yeah. So yep. if you have friends, classmates, roommates, uh, if you are friendly with your advisor, let them know that MAPT will soon work for pre-PA students. We're putting some final touches on. We have a couple more weeks of development for that. And when you sign up, Combat, congrats, Grandpa Wright. One student says, um, uh, "Grandpa Wright, I love it." I don't like that. Thank you. <laughs> What's up, Doctor Grandpa? Um, the uh, when you sign up, the registration process will ask you what path are you on: pre-med or pre-physician assistant. Pick the one you're you're most kind of tied to. And if you change your mind, you click a button and presto changeo mapped will then adjust to you. So instead of having uh, an MCAT field, you'll have the PA cat and GRE field. Instead of med schools, uh, in terms of a list, you'll have PA schools in that list. And you can flop back and forth as you as you change your mind. Yep. So awesome. check that out. All right. 
back All to right. the question. I'll put that, we'll have it in the doobly-doo and it's on the banner and the ticker right now. You know that nobody knows what you mean by when you say You know, they're going to know because I'm going to say it enough times that eventually they're going to be like, oh, doobly-doo and description box are wow. e equivalent terms. Yeah. I'm not, I'm be, not giving up this below ghost. The video. It's going to be like eccentric grandma who like uses old fashioned terms and they'll just be like, oh, yeah, that's just the way that lady talks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, whoa. See, the only thing is that when we do that, I lose my place from the perspective of adcoms. Yeah, that was it. From the perspective of adcoms, does it matter if a junior undergrad splits their senior year into two years, attending halftime while obtaining clinical experience and shadowing, or would you rather see this applicant stay consistent and graduate full-time and gain these experiences during a gap year with the application year remaining the same? Scott, you know, very, very micro kind of question. Yeah, very micro. And, you know, I would say there are many different paths to medical school. I would say choose choose the one that you feel most comfortable with, and uh, it, it I I don't really see that that matters a whole lot. I would say I can see some students doing it one way and somebody else doing it another way for a variety of personal reasons, and and as long as you are able to explain kind of why you did it the way you did it, and you know if that for example came up in an interview. Um, why did you go part-time during your senior year? You can just explain, well, this is kind of what I was thinking. I could have done it this way or I could have done it that way, and it just worked out better for me to do it the one way. And the, the, one, the one thing I would say about part-time work at the undergraduate level is that if you fall to part-time, a lot of your financial aid eligibility goes away. So just keep that in mind that if you're if you're and, and check all of this with your with your uh, financial aid people and, and others at your at your undergraduate institution to make sure that you're not going to jeopardize any kind of the way you're financing your school. Scholarships often require you to be full time students. So just, uh, you know, make sure you make sure you check all that kind of stuff out. You know, when we're talking on this granular level, that's the, those are things that you need to be concerned about. Yes. Alrighty. Uh, I have my application ready, but didn't do too well on the MCAT. Not out of the question for DO schools. Oh, I hate that comparison. Yeah. Uh, and may retake. If so, can I apply and then submit uh, the retake score June test date? I don't want to apply too late. Well, I was at a lot of medical schools when they see that you're going to be taking a test, a later test, they're going to hold until you get that, until they get that score. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say if you're, if you're in a June test date, go ahead, you know, you can go ahead and submit time sometime in June and, and, and be fine. But just know that that may, at many schools, just kind of put you in a holding pattern until they get that, that later test uh, score in. Still potentially beneficial just for the process of being verified and everything, right? Correct. That's exactly right. Don't don't wait on the new score to, to submit. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fear around they'll they'll see my four ninety five and they'll just think it's a joke and, and just reject me. But no. knowing that I have a, a score pending where I'm gonna score five twenty, yeah. schools schools won't punish you for a poor score. Poor score and seven tests ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
<laughs> and seven's the max. That's a good pun there, Ryan. I know. I know. This is how I roll. Yeah. Good pun. Bad pun. <laughs> Can you comment about BSMD programs and any advice? All right. Yeah, but you know, uh, there are not very many of these around. There, there's a few uh, around the country. BSMD like programs, about 30, 35 maybe. Yeah, there's not, there's not, and they're not large programs. They're they're yeah. small scale, and uh, I I worry about these. I mean, they're they're sort of built in this notion of the sort of um, European, you know, structure of medical education where you come straight out of. Um, high school and go into med school, basically. Yeah, six years uh, of med school. Yeah, right, med school. exactly. And uh, so I, I, I worry about students that really, because often, not all the time, but often you get students who are very young in these programs. And, and, and because uh, they have rushed their way through high school, they may, may maybe they completed high school in three years, uh, then they go into a, a BSMD program. Sometimes, uh, I, so I, I question uh, the motivation and the, the purpose for this for some applicants if they're trying to rush their way into things. Um, and I philosophically feel like the college has a, a lot of experiences that you're going to miss if you do something like this, I think there's a benefit to the college life experience and having to go through, not having to, but the ability to go through and enjoy your college experience in an, as a destination in and of itself and not simply as a journey to some other destination. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the programs just fundamentally because of that. Right? I think it adds a lot of undue stress. Yep. Uh, a lot of these programs have requirements that you have to meet. And if you don't meet them, you're going to get kicked out. Well, if you get kicked out, so what? You'll be like every other pre-med yep. <laughs> uh, applying to medical school at a later date. So it just there's just so much stress. And like go to, go to college and figure out what you want to do there. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know every European program is different, but their um, their high school experiences often take them a little later in life. Mm -hmm. So often they're not actually graduating until 18 or 19, and often they take a gap year. So even with those six-year plans, they still often end up getting the MD somewhere around, you know, mid-20s. And I think that this this U.S. tendency to rush, and again, it's it's not like, for one thing, there's a lot more countries in the world than U.S. and Europe, and neither of them have a stranglehold on education or moral authority. That's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, I think um, – yeah, I don't think they're necessarily bad, but you do a lot of growing in college, and um, it's, it's, a, it's like the last safe place that most students are allowed to grow. I mean, I know college is not a picnic for everyone, but – for many, many people, it's the last time in your life that you're really going to have any playtime at all. Yep. Um, and it's not like you have a lot as a pre-med anyway. <laughs> so I would, I would want to uh, savor that a little bit. Agreed. Yep. Okay. Uh, another question about application timing, but we answered it before. I think some of these came in before we got to them. 
Let's see. Here's an interesting one. Oh, yes. I saw this one. Today I found out that I've been granted a four-semester retroactive medical withdrawal from undergrad back in 2008 and 2010. Congratulations. That's huge. Yeah, that's I'm currently in my first semester of community college and getting a 4.0 and have done a complete 180 academically. How can I authentically address that period of my life without being explicit about the mental health struggles that resulted in four semesters worth of W's since I know that candid discussions of previous mental health problems can be a yellow or red flag to adcoms? So just a, a clarification for a lot of people who don't really understand retroactive withdrawals is, is you can petition a school that you've done poorly at. And I've helped some students do this and say, look, hey, I was young. I was dumb. I had mental health problems. I had these other things going on, whatever it was. I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on. Can you make these W's <laughs> really is, is the process. And every school right. is going to have their own process on, on how they handle those requests. Uh, if if you potentially think you're in a situation where you have some bad grades that maybe are all F's and you want to see if you can get them off the board, ask. Right? Doesn't mm -hmm. help. To, it doesn't hurt to ask to yep. find out what the process is. I agree. Um, and so that's what this student did. They they petitioned the school. They said, "Here's here was my situation at the time. I I wasn't maybe aware enough to know what what I needed to do." Um, and so the school gave them W's. It, it's typically a long process, so so don't rush into it thinking, "Ooh, it's gonna, in two weeks I can change all my F's to W's." Uh, so check that out. But back to the question, Scott, where potentially can this come up in an application? So you know this this is um, you know I think that um, obviously a their academic record is going to show this. It's going to show the two years of W's. And so the question is going to be, what what's this all about? I mean, it's a fairly uncommon uh, situation. And I think uncommon situations sometimes get highlighted because the admissions committee doesn't understand what it means. Mm -hmm. And so I think if there's no explanation about what it means, it leaves the admissions committee to not know what to do with that. And uh, so I, you know, yes, I think that... Um, I understand the, the the caution of this student in in uh, going into too many details about the the, the uh, mental health struggles and stuff like that, but I would say there is a way to do that uh, in a, in in a manner that will will be appropriate and not lead to too, not give too many details that maybe you're uncomfortable with, but just say you know I was struggling with you know life or I was struggling with some, some severe uh, or some issues that I had to resolve and uh, my college granted me this, these, this backtrack on, on the W's and uh, I since have been able to resolve these issues and now I'm doing well and you know you don't have to go into excruciating detail but I do think some level of explanation has to come out uh, for the admissions committee to understand what, it, what is this. Yeah. Um, I want to just sometimes uh, I think these things get nuanced and sometimes we seem to be contradicting ourselves and I want to just really look, dig into the wording of this. So this person said, I know candid discussions of previous mental health problems can be a yellow and red flag to outcomes. And certainly we have said that before that they can be. I don't think they have to be. Mm -hmm. um, so part of it is like, 
we're all working as a people on destigmatizing mental health. And by the way, if you want to talk more about that, we've got a session about it on National Pre-Med Day. Uh, Logan Noon and I are going to do some some brass tacks talking around it. Um, but some of it too is that if you tell the story like you're in the middle of the issue, then they may read you as like struggling versus if you've talked about how you've turned your pain into your power and how you've gotten beyond it. And again, in this particular example, because everything is nuanced, this person says, you know, they're only in their first semester, but they're already getting a 4.0. So presumably if that pattern persists, I mean, not doesn't have to be a 4.0, but if they continue to get great grades, that's going to show a lot of the overcoming of the prior issues. Um, so I just, I want to personally chime in that I don't think it has to be, it doesn't have to be a, a yellow red flag to bring up mental health issues. It's more about if you seem to have figured out your coping skills or not, because med school may well trigger those issues. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, good for you. Yeah, Sounds good word, like you've been on a journey. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, you know, and, and that's the key here, too, is that the student indicates that they're in their first semester of, of uh, going back to school and, and community college and doing well. But these events were occurring back in 2008, back 2010. So there's a lot that has happened even that, you know, clearly you've been working on this for, for some time. And, you know, maybe you've held jobs and maybe you've done volunteer work and, you know, a variety of other life experiences. So it's not just about the academics. That It's also about the things that you've done in, in the past that have built you into the person that you are and that made you, you know, potentially made you a stronger individual uh, that enable you to really handle life in a much, much, uh, much better way. Yep. All right. Uh, we, we didn't do this one yet, right? No. I got a foreign BSPT degree and WES eval says GPA is 2.77. I think even taking lots of credit would not increase my GPA. Should I just take the prerequisites and show upward trends? All right. So translation, they have a foreign degree. Their yep. credential evaluation, which is something that students with foreign degrees have to go through typically if they want some evaluation here in the U.S., uh, admissions they a, a a service will look at your transcript verify you went to the school look at the school and try to do some math and figure out what your u.s equivalent gpa would be and so that's what this wes evaluation is um so my question scott is for most students they need a lot of credits, right? There's this kind of general rule of thumb, 90 credit hours yeah. mm -hmm. of, of U.S. Uh, right. credits. That's right. I, I say just forget your degree and just go, go, go back and get another degree. I do. I, I do, too. I, I think that's probably the best probably the best thing to do is uh, just feel like you're starting over. Now, that can be discouraging. Uh, to a lot of students and I, I completely understand this this particular student and that would be very discouraging uh, to me if I was on the other end of things but I just you know I, I think it's all going to be a as with many situations in this particular situation I think it's going to be a, a test of your desire to go to medical school and if you're willing to do whatever it takes and to make some sacrifices in your life to make that happen 
then it, it, it likely will, will mean that you spend, you know, three or four years uh, doing, uh, doing college work that is going to produce uh, in the United States what the med schools are looking for to help evaluate who you are as an applicant. And so academically, I agree with you, Ryan. I would just say, just go into it thinking I'm, I'm going to go, I'm starting from ground zero and I'm going to just do this again. Yep. And for, for other people potentially wondering how that works, if the student goes back and just basically redoes their undergrad here in the States, their foreign degree basically gets ignored. That yep. their, their GPA from, from their foreign degree just doesn't show up anywhere as long as they're not transferring credits in. That's correct. Exactly. That's correct. Um, yeah, well, sometimes it's going to get ignored even if you don't want it to. So yeah. starting over is your only choice. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we've got time for one more, I think. Yeah. Will it be looked at negatively negatively if I quit my full-time nonprofit business career for a scribing opportunity in Surge Onk? I feel like I need to be in the clinic setting for my own journey since I've been full-time elsewhere. Ooh, I'd say go for it. If, if you can financially go, for, if yeah. you can financially bank, do it, the bank may look at it negatively. Yeah, or your <laughs> Although credit card no profit, so. deals. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but no, I I would say go for it. Yeah, no, I don't think that's gonna. No, I can't imagine how an admissions committee would make something negative out of that. No. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah, I would think if anything, it's the flip, right? I think we've had um, some students say. I don't think I can afford to quit my job. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You, you shouldn't have to. Yeah. Like you, mm-hmm. you should. That's usually the question. Yeah. 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 Oh. This you want to read that one? I That's nice. The student said, just wanted to say thank you for the wealth of knowledge you all share with us. This process is long and difficult and stressful. You're an anchor. Oh. Hmm. That's Aww. very nice. That was so sweet. We also very got cool. a lot of these. Yay. Grandpa right. <laughs> well, I've you know, we're we're in the process right now deciding what we want to be called as grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the the so the baby's grandmother has decided on honey. She's gonna be called honey. Oh, one of those. Honey. And I made the decision and we, we, we fully recognize that the kids are gonna call us whatever they want to call us, yep. you know. Right. You know, it, it may be something totally different or whatever, but my initial, uh, we're going to be honey and boo. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. So y'all can just call me as opposed to grandpa. Just call me Dr. Boo. Yeah. We, we do Nana, Papa, Grammy, Grampy in our house. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yay. Thank you all for coming. Here's, a, here's another nice one. <coughs> I wouldn't be applying to med school this year if it wasn't for you all. I passed the AP psych test, but still took psych 1010 in college. Does that count as retaking? Oh, that was a, they added a question. Darn it. No, that does not count as a retake. No, it does not. <laughs> that, was, that was sneaky. Ask the boo. <laughs> 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 Thanks, I Boo. Love I love it. All righty. Thank you all for coming. Episode 52 next week. Coming up. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And National Pre Med Day next Friday. Yeah. Yep. 
Hope to see you there. Sign yeah. up even if you can't make it. I mean, it's 24 hours of live stream in an eight-hour period, so you'll be watching some on replay any way you slice it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.